You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of the Assembly Call. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers fall to the Purdue Boilermakers 69-64 to at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. Uh, this was a game that the Hoosiers led at halftime, and it was tied at 57 uh, at the final TV timeout. Uh, and I tweeted, you know, here we go. Who wants it more? Who's going to execute better? That's a team that will win down the stretch. Uh, and I don't really know that you can say uh, that Purdue wanted it more tonight because I thought Indiana played hard, but they hard, but they certainly executed better uh, down the stretch, and that's what led Uh, to the victory for the Boilermakers. And it is a very consequential loss for the Hoosiers. We talked all week about how this was virtually a must-win for Indiana's NCAA tournament hopes uh, and and to start, you know, to have some momentum going down the stretch. And now the Hoosiers find themselves firmly behind the eight ball, five and seven in conference play, 15 and 10 overall, and really needing to turn things around uh, as we head here to the to the final stretch of Big Ten games to give themselves a chance to get in uh, to the tournament. We will break all of that down on this episode of the Assembly Call. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I will be joined by Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips uh, here on this episode of the Assembly Call. And we will start this episode, as we always do, with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. Uh, and for tonight's banner moment, I'm going to go to a play in the second half. It was 61 to 57. So I told you how you know it was 50, 57, 57. Purdue comes out of that timeout. <coughs> Excuse me. Purdue comes out of that timeout. They scored two buckets in a row. And Indiana's really, really in a tough spot uh, at that juncture. And so what do they do? They give it to Thomas Bryant. Uh, and Thomas Bryant does what Thomas Bryant did pretty much the whole second half and just went and got Indiana a bucket. And it was a huge bucket because it stemmed the Purdue run. It got it back to 61 to 59 for Indiana. And Thomas finished with 17 points in the second half and, and in a half where Indiana just struggled so much offensively, only scoring 0.98 points per possession. The second highest score for the Hoosiers had four Thomas Bryant really showed everything that he's got offensively. He was good inside. He was good shooting threes. Now his defense wasn't great, and he got taken advantage of a little bit. But from an offensive standpoint, he kept Indiana in the game. And I thought that bucket in particular was indicative of of what he was able to do in the second half. Because when Indiana needed a bucket, they went to their star, Thomas Bryant. And though he didn't rebound well and didn't have a great first half, there are lots of warts on this performance for Thomas Bryant. But when you go and get 17 points and the next highest guy on your team gets four and you give yourself a chance to win, that's still something worth remarking about. And so some plaudits to Thomas Bryant for his, his offense there in the second half. But of course, as we know, it wasn't good enough. And we will talk about all of that as we move forward on this episode of the Assembly Call. Well, tonight's banner moment, as always, brought to us by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based brand by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. 
Connor and the team at Hoosier Proud offer a line of t-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their own pride in being a Hoosier. Check them out at HoosierProud.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY to receive a 15% discount on your entire order. That's promo code ASSEMBLY to receive 15% off at HoosierProud.com. And we also have something special tonight, and that is a banner moment dedication from one of our longtime listeners, Valerie Elliott. It is my pleasure and honor to do this for you, Valerie. She wants to give a big shout out to her husband, Jim Strange, for patiently driving her through all of the I-69 construction to Bloomington from Indianapolis to Simon Scott Assembly Hall to see the Hoosiers play. As she says, he may have a degree from Purdue, but he's a Hoosier at heart. Happy 25th anniversary, Bo, as she says. So happy 25th anniversary to you, Jim and Valerie. Thank you for all your support uh, for the assembly call over the years. All righty. Well, let's make the extra pass, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. We start with Andy Bottoms' Bottoms Line, brought to us by Bracketology.fm. Well, as we've talked about with, you know, really through the injuries, this team's stars have to play like stars. And tonight, only one of them did that. Um, Thomas Bryan, as you said, you just put the team on his back in the second half and, and really almost willed them to win. Uh, but James Blackman Jr. was glad to see him back. I don't know if part of it was rust from, uh, you know, sitting out. And Robert Johnson uh, just, I thought, really from start to finish, struggled to to really get in the game and play well. Those two combined to go 5 of 25 from the floor, 2 of 13 uh, from three-point range. And as you talked about in the second half, uh, when nobody else could really get anything going, they were a combined 1 of 10 from the floor, 1 of 7 from three. And th this team is not going to be uh, certainly a good team, and Purdue is certainly that uh, when those guys play that way. They just have to, you know, they can't afford those kinds of performances from them. And uh, I, you know, I guess in some ways give Blackman a little bit of a pass from a shooting standpoint, although missed a key block out late uh in the game allowed uh i think it was pj thompson to, to you know get around him get a key basket uh, after iu had forced to miss and, and i thought robert johnson really struggled throughout had two turnovers early in the game four shots uh and, and really you know made one three made that three-point play toward the end of the half but I, I really just really struggled throughout the game and I, I wasn't exactly sure what it was uh and still i'm not but you know in, in a game when you those guys put those numbers up you, you probably don't need to see uh, the final score to know what the outcome would be for IU. Yep. And now we go over to Ryan Phillips for his rant brought to us by the big lead.com. Ryan, please tell me that you're going to mention the awful, awful, awful double foul call there at the end of the game. One of the worst I mean, calls I've ever look, seen. Once again, we just got a crap burger handed to us by the big tens officiating crew. Um, I really want to say something else, but you know, this is a family show. Um, we're live I, on the radio. We're live on the radio. Um, <laughs> hopefully there's a dump button. No, uh, it's just, it was ridiculous tonight. I mean, both ways, there were some really bad calls both ways. I'm, I'm not going to say that cost in the end of the game. It did not. Uh, but you know, Joan Morgan played most of the game with four foul with three or four fouls uh, and fouled out you know, only a few minutes of playing time, um, you know, and that really just screwed up Indiana's rhythm because he was playing great defensively. And quite frankly, most of those fouls were garbage. I mean, they really were, um, you know, then Deron Davis, who was playing very well defensively, wasn't great offensively tonight, but was playing stellar defense, gets essentially punched in the face by Isaac Haas and goes down and there's no call. And then on the other end, Purdue runs down and and Davis was out. He was on the floor rolling around in pain. 
Purdue runs down the floor, misses a shot, and then on the offensive rebound, you'd hope they'd blow it dead once they reset things, you know, to get the injured player off the floor. They didn't let uh, Purdue run through their offense again, and they got a wide open three because, yeah, they were playing five on four. Um, you know, that's just bad officiating. Look, they had their break. Once their fast break was over and they reset their offense, call a timeout and get the injured guy off the floor. That's not fair to that kid, especially because then they waited a few seconds before they actually realized he was down. Um, you know, it's just, and then of course at the end, they had a, a, a Thomas Bryant drove in. I don't know if it was a charge or a block. I had some people tell me it was a charge. I had some people tell me it was a block. Um, he certainly lowered his shoulder, but Caleb Swanigan was moving backward and they called a double foul, uh, which was just, I've never seen that one, one official called a, a charge, the other called a block. And then they went and got together and they decided that, okay, well, we were both right. Clearly, neither one of us was wrong. What's the worst decision we could make in this instance? Yeah, Let's do that. Such, such a cop-out. The two stars of the game uh, exit on a double foul. Uh, you know, I mean, just stuff like that is just so stupid. Like, have some kind of mechanism in place. Um, and, Maybe and it's, don't be gutless and make an actual call. Maybe try yeah. to... I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those things where this conference and the NCAA as a whole, because if people think I complain about officiating uh, for IU games, you should really check out my Twitter feed, uh, not to plug it. But I, I complain about this in all games because I am at a point where I genuinely do not think the NCAA's officials know the rules of basketball. It has gotten to that point because it's, it, it you know, they just string calls out, they string games out, they, they, you know, at the, you can always see if they call too many fouls on one team in the first half, immediately they'll start calling fouls on the other team in the second half. And, you know, it's everybody fouls at about the same rate. Everybody gets fouled while going to the hoop at the same rate. It's it's it, it should almost always end up the same. And they always try and balance it because they know they screwed up. And it's you know what? If guys make bad calls, punish them. Don't assign them to the final four. I mean, it's just it, it's absolutely absurd. And, you know, I'll talk about the game. Once we get reset, but Jared got me started on this, so blame him. Sorry. Uh, it, it was a very, it's a very Trumpian misdirection by me. Not so we don't, we don't talk about the actual issues with the team. Uh, let's, uh, let's go off on something else. Yeah, let's um, let's talk about how terrible Pat Driscoll is for the next fifteen minutes. Because I could I mean, do that for the whole hour, guys. It is, it is more pleasant than talking about this eroding season. But I, you I, guys, you, I mean, but I'm not, I'm not crazy, you guys. I mean, those, there was an awfully called game, and again, it was. There, there were bad calls on both sides. Uh, yeah, there were bad calls on Purdue. And then, you know, it was the inconsistency of calling a touch foul on the perimeter, and then guys are just getting hammered in the post. It's like, nah, eh, we'll let that go. You know, I mean, if it affects a shot, if it changes the game, if it screws things up for the guy taking the shot, yeah, you call it. But if a guy's on the perimeter dribbling around and they bump into each other and it doesn't affect anything, don't call the foul. Um, and then, of course, they missed about six travels that were pretty obvious, and a couple on IU, quite frankly. But... Um, you know, so I just think that the Big Ten needs to get its get its garbage together. Just figure out if a guy is a bad referee, you don't have to keep assigning him to games. I mean, there's nothing that says you have to keep doing that. So I've been keeping a list of people I never want to see officiate a game again. So I'm happy to provide them with that list. Please if do if Please it's do. necessary. Do you, have, do you have do you have it in front of you? <laughs> you know, I was just hoping that Tom Crean and Matt Painter would simultaneously throw chairs together just into the middle of the court just to protest the office. Just out of solidarity. Out, yeah. of, out of solidarity as an homage, you know, whatever. South um, and central Indiana coming together. Yeah. Hey, All there's right. one thing that IU and Purdue fans can agree on. It's the mutual hatred of Big Ten officials. Yes. So at least we uh, yeah, got that no, going I mean, for us. Look, I had some, you know, there was one uh, uh, 
charge that Swanigan had on Juwan Morgan. I think it, I don't know who it was. Uh, he he ran into somebody. It was yeah. I think it was I think it was Jerron Davis. Oh, yeah. it was Jerron Davis. Davis. I know exactly was, what you're talking about. It was completely not a charge. I mean, he spun into the guy, and Davis I think fell down from the contact, but it wasn't enough contact to send a 240 pound Jerron Davis fly flopping like a feather. I mean, should, you know. should have just called a double foul. Yeah, exactly. Perfect Why didn't they? For a Why didn't they? I mean, all right, all right. We've so, we've got to we've got to get yeah. on track because they're they're we do I, have. I'm done yelling for now. It'll probably come back later, but I'm done yelling for right I now. I know. And we have the smoldering embers of, of Indiana's season right now that we have to talk about because we can't promote a game all week as a must win and then watch the Hoosiers lose and not break all that down and break down why they lost and what the meaning of this is. And so we are going to get to all of that. I, I do. I have to say one other positive thing before we get to that and reset and do our sponsor read and then get into a lot of the negatives. I do just want to give a, 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 a high five to Freddie McSwain because I thought when he came in in the first half, he really lifted Indiana's energy again. And we've seen that from him now multiple games. He had four offensive rebounds. He had two putbacks off of offensive rebounds. And, you know, obviously the guy is limited and, and, and you know, can't catch very well when he's making cuts, but he consistently gets in there and makes plays. And a guy that we weren't quite sure what his role was going to be he continues to provide positives, you know, and Zach McRoberts provided some positives too with, you know, five rebounds and just continued to hustle himself into rebounds. So you're going to struggle long term if those guys are playing significant minutes and they're probably playing more than they should, but they hustled and they battled and they went out there and made plays. And I just wanted to recognize them because look, on a night when, you know, a lot of guys struggled, those guys came through for you with seven points, 10 rebounds, six offensive rebounds against a, a really, really good defensive rebounding team. You know, those two guys really brought it and played their roles. And if some other guys on Indiana had played their roles as well as Zach and Freddie played in their admittedly limited roles, uh, Indiana might have had a better result tonight. Um, and so we'll talk about that result and what led to it. Coming up here on the Assembly Call, first, I do want to take a quick minute and tell you about our other sponsor, SeatGeek. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show or awful officiating performance that you want to go to. And none of those older ticket sites want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. SeatGeek is always the first place I go to look for tickets to a game or concert because everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. And they have a new guarantee. If you don't like the officiating at your game, you get your money back for the tickets. Okay, that's not true, but how awesome would that be? They also wouldn't make any money because everybody would ask for a refund. Can I get some tickets. money for having to watch that? Yeah. Is SeatGeek, can we talk on a side note, SeatGeek? <laughs> so just sorry. FYI, get in touch with me. So, so SeatGeek does the price comparison for you by researching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. They do the work. You save the time and money. And best of all, our listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. So here's how that works. Download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code and enter the promo code assembly. And then SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. So again, download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code assembly today. All right, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are breaking down Indiana's 69 to 64 loss to Purdue. Guys, I want to go back to the first half um, because there, there was a sequence of possessions in the first half that when I was doing the halftime report, I said, I'm really afraid that I'm going to come here on the postgame show 
and regret this sequence. And here we are on the postgame show, and I'm regretting it. Indiana went on a great 9-0 run in the first half, and it had... It was the seeds of one of those great Simon Scott Assembly Hall runs where Indiana just outscores an opponent by 14, 15 points, gets a big lead. But they're on this 9-0 run. It's 30 to 26. And, you know, and, and they've got a steal. And, you know, they've got a breakaway opportunity. They don't take it. Uh, they miss a three-pointer. All right. Next possession. Indiana misses another three-pointer, a wide open one from Newkirk. Both of those were good shots. The following two possessions, you had Devontae Green just going out of his mind and taking one of the worst three-pointers I've ever seen. And then Curtis Jones bricking a long one after that. So four straight possessions. And mind you, they were getting stops along the way. So all these opportunities to extend the lead, get the crowd into it, get on a big run. And they couldn't do it. And I can't help but think that that was a big opportunity to build maybe a 9, 10, 11 point lead that now Purdue has to try and battle back from in the first half. And who knows how things are different? Because it's very easy to look at the final four minutes and know Indiana's execution wasn't good. And obviously, you know, you lose the game when that happens. But there were some sequences there in the first half where I thought past Indiana teams have taken advantage. This one just wasn't able to kind of hit that dagger shot during that run to make it a, a, a true huge run that we've seen. Um, Andy, your thoughts on that sequence in particular and just maybe any other spots in the game outside of the obvious there at the end where you thought this game was lost for Indiana? Well, I thought uh, that stretch that you you referenced there is definitely one that I remember. The, the first three-pointer that was taken was the one where Robert Johnson ran to the corner. Newkirk couldn't quite get a pass to him, and he was just, just hell-bent on taking a three-pointer when there was a huge open lane to the basket. And... So that one, you know, certainly started and, and wasn't good. Uh, you know, the the Devontae Green one was was also not uh, not good at all. And and yeah, I thought that was a, a key stretch. There was another stretch in the second half where IU got up by I want to say it was seven, uh, and Swanigan scored six straight points, uh, and IU didn't score at all during that stretch. And and that was another one to me that was felt like there was a chance to start to pull away, and then you know just kind of came right back. Yeah, it was thirty. Bryant hit a three to make it thirty nine thirty two. Swanigan gets a layup. Turnover, uh, another Swanigan layup on an offensive rebound. Robert Johnson missed another three. I, I don't feel like that was a, a great shot either. I think it was when he tried to take off the dribble, and then Swanigan scored again. It's 39-38. Um, and, and Blackman ended up hitting a three off an offensive rebound after that, but that was um, just a, a pretty poor sequence again from IU. They really struggled defensively in that stretch, and they didn't get good shots. And um, that was a chance as well, kind of similar to that stretch you had in the first. You, know, you had really seized the momentum, played pretty well uh, out of halftime. You know, had held them scoreless the first couple minutes, and 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 build on the lead a little bit, and and if you can get it to ten points there, who knows what happens? But just couldn't do it. So those are the couple of stretches that stuck stuck out in my mind. Ryan, what else stuck out to you? Um, you know, I think that uh, as you mentioned earlier, I thought that that the hustle from from guys like McSwain and and McRoberts rubbed off on other guys for stretches, but I just didn't think it was there from the guards tonight. Um. You know, uh, Blackman, I know he's coming off an injury and he, he's trying to get back to uh, where he was. But Robert Johnson, I mean, there's just no excuse for the way he played tonight. I, I thought he he wandered through a lot of the game. Um, and also, you know, and I've, I've harped on this for a while. I just it, it it shocks me how in this team, when it's late, he has absolutely no urgency and awareness to you know, get moving and get things going. And without Josh Newkirk and, and Blackman late, I don't think they even get shots up towards the end because he was just walking the ball around the perimeter. And, you know, there's less than a minute to go and you're down by four. Do something, you know, I mean, you can't just stand on the perimeter. And I just felt like, 
you know, right now his confidence is somewhere else. It's, it's not inside his body because he, um, you know, he's firing up shots without his normal, you know, pace to them without his normal rise and fire. Uh, he's, he's, and then when he doesn't score for a while, it's almost like he feels like he has to, uh, throw up a shot. And then with Blackman, you know, I mean, I get that he's he's injured and he was trying to make some stuff happen on offense, and that's how you get 11 missed shots. But at the same time, you know, simple things like that blockout you mentioned, yeah, you can't you can't get lazy on a blockout that late in the game. I mean, you can't you shouldn't do it ever. But you know, I get in the flow of the game, you miss one. That's not the time to do it. The smallest guy on the floor gets a rebound put back. Uh, so I, you know, this is the kind of thing, the kind of game where I felt like Morgan Bryant. Uh, Davis, when he was in there, McSwain, McRoberts were all locked in. Um, and then the other guys just didn't help him out. And, and, and you know, as, as you mentioned, kudos to Thomas Bryant for, for really fighting in a tough situation. It's two bigs that are difficult to go up against. And I thought he played an excellent game. Um, and as I said before, I thought Juwan Morgan was playing well if he had just not been in foul trouble. Um, and then I thought that McSwain and McRoberts, I mean, you know, we complained about them being in the game too long in the last game, but they were great tonight. I mean, they really were. And and they need to provide more offensively to, to justify being out there. But defensively and on the glass, they did a great job. Well, they didn't play together <clears throat> very much. That's the issue that we've had with them, not necessarily right. them actually, playing individually. And I would say they had that stretch late in the second half where it was kind of like, oh boy, and they needed to get Blackman a rest. Um, and I'm sure because of his knee, but he, uh, they had, they were both on the floor, and I thought they did pretty well. I was, I was surprised. I, you know, I wouldn't, you know, I, I wasn't, I was kind of thinking, oh, this is a tough stretch, and I thought Indiana actually played pretty well with both of them on the floor, but they also had Bryant and other options to go to. Yeah, well, and then everybody, you know, fouled out or was injured, so there wasn't there wasn't any place to go. I mean, look, I, I agree with you. I, I thought Indiana's guards really let them down tonight because I thought the reason why Indiana was ahead for a long stretch is they really did a nice job of keeping. P.J. Thompson, you know, Dakota Mathias, Ryan Klein in check. Those guys didn't really go off. Now, you know, late in the second half, Mathias hit a three. Thompson, you know, did a little bit and made some free throws late. Um, you know, Carson Edwards made a few plays late. And that was the difference. You know, their guards made plays. Our guards didn't. And, you know, we, we've talked for a long time now. You know, ever since OG got hurt and, and since Juwan Morgan kind of became a shell of himself, and we finally started to see him emerge a little bit today, but you know he, he couldn't do much in the second half with the foul trouble. We said this team will go as Thomas Bryant, Robert Johnson, and James Blackman Jr. lead them. And it's so strange, you know, with Robert, because he was so he had been so consistent up until the Northwestern game. And then ever since that Northwestern game, he's really struggled. And you know, I, I don't know if the change in roles has just gotten him out of sorts and having to, you know, the extra defensive attention uh, that, he's, that he had when Blackman was out. And so, it was, you know, he had to force shots, but he wasn't getting the same good looks. And he just seems out of sorts. Like early in the game, he was taking shots that were contested, that were early in the shot clock off the dribble. And that's not him. And I'll tell you, let's, if not, let's, let's not sugarcoat it, Jared. I mean, what happened was he played a really bad game. I don't think there's any there's any greater stuff going on. We've seen this out of Rojo. Before. Right. I mean, we love him. He's a great player. No, but that's but, what I mean is he's been struggling now for several games. Out, right. But we've seen him this out of him in the past, too, where he where he shoots too much and tries to. And it's almost like it was a big game. There was a lot of adrenaline and everybody wants to hit the big shot. I mean, Blackman was, you know, missed six three pointers. He was one of seven. And, you know, a couple of those he took because I want to hit the big shot that gets the crowd electrified. And I feel like he got that with Rojo, too. And they forgot that, you know, 
you'll get those shots if you work it around the perimeter a little more yeah. and move a little more and find yourself open. I mean, there's no, I, I don't think there's anything deeper going on here with, with not knowing roles or whatever. I think this is just flat out two guys not having a great game. Uh, Maybe, I mean, but, but my point is they have to play better. I, mean, I agree. If, if, oh, yeah. if there's going to be any kind of turnaround, they've got to get it together. So, you know, whatever it is. And, and again, you know, Blackman coming off the injury, you're going to cut him a little bit of slack. Uh, but Robert, you know, just can't play like this. You know, the other storyline coming out of this game is Deron Davis. Yep. Obviously, he went down. We didn't get any updates. I haven't looked on Twitter, so I don't know if there's been an update, but he didn't come back on the bench. When he fell, you know, the way that he covered his face looked like a guy who feared a serious injury, you know, just in that moment and the way that he couldn't move around. And it's a damn shame because, you know, I thought defensively he was really good in the first half against Haas, pushing him off the block, you know, making him catch the ball outside of where he wanted to. And that was a big reason why Haas was one for six. And obviously Indiana missed, you know, his presence and, and the depth that he provides when everybody started going down with foul trouble. You know, I, I think his presence could have made a difference at the end of this game and it'll make a big difference down the stretch. And if Indiana doesn't have him, that's obviously a big loss. And we'll wait to see um, what the reports are on that. All right, Andy, let, let's talk big picture here. I mean, again, we've mentioned how big of a game this was. Indiana needed to win to get another signature victory, you know, to get back to 500, to not drop another home game. So, I mean, assess the damage, assess the carnage of, of losing this game. Uh it's one of those where it's it's still a little bit odd. I mean, I think if if this if the tournament started today or tomorrow, I I honestly think IU would still be in, which kind of defies logic, but speaks to just how poor the bubble is. I mean, I tweeted something out earlier today that I looked at the Pomeroy projections for the top six leagues, and f I think over forty one percent of teams in the top six leagues are projected to finish nine and nine, eight and ten, or seven and eleven. So. I mean, this year is the picture of mediocrity uh, in these leagues. And so, you know, those wins still hold up. The problem becomes if you if you ask me if you wanted to project out the end of the year, what happens on the stretch and whether this team makes it or not, I would I would be inclined to say no, um, because they have to find a way to get back to 500 in the league. And that now entails winning two road games and they've only won one one. Uh, so far this season and there aren't any gimmies really, you know, as you look down here, certainly um, I was been kind of frisky uh, of late took Minnesota to I think double overtime last night. Um, Ohio State, while not great, has played good enough at times one at Michigan. So there's just no gimmies and the way this team's playing right now with so much inconsistency, it's hard to project forward and see them being able to play well enough down the stretch to uh, to get themselves to 500 in the league. By the way, frisky is a great adjective to use for a Fran McCaffrey team. <clears throat> yeah, well done. Yeah, good good word choice there, Bottoms. Yeah, I do my best. Yes, you do. You do. Um, all right, so Ryan, let's take stock. Big picture. You know, I, I think, and obviously we're getting some mentions on Twitter, you know, when when we're calling out, you know, the, the play, the hustle of Freddie McSwain and Zach McRoberts before even the first break as we kind of stretch for positives, that's not a good sign. And no, it's not a good sign, you know, but in this particular game, that was a positive that, that helped Indiana and there just weren't a lot of other positives. And that's part of the reason why Indiana's in this position. So... Yeah, I think to me though that's part of the story. I mean, there what the complementary pieces on this team tonight, I would say, did what you needed them to do to win a game like this. Yep, yeah. I think that under underscores the issues with the other guys that they really needed a lot from and didn't get it. So I think there's you know multiple reasons to bring that up, but um, 
you know, I thought those guys did did play well, and that's what you need in games like this. Those guys to you know really pick it up and play well. Even even complimentary guys like Morgan and Newkirk, I thought gave good minutes and made some big plays. I mean, that that to me was the story. You got everything you needed out of everybody except the the two guys that we talked about. Yep. Yeah, if you're re- if you're relying on Josh Newkirk to give you more than eight points, eight rebounds, three assists, a steal, and only one turnover, you're in trouble. That's what he should be giving you, and he gave you, I thought, exactly what he needed to. Um, you know, talking big pictures, that's what we're going into and taking stocks. I mean, here's the thing for Indiana fans. I know everybody's disappointed with how the season has turned out. Um, but right now, you have to look at this team, and and I know I'm going to get hammered for this. People are going to say you're making excuses. So wait for my entire thought here, okay? Coming uh, after the break. Uh, <laughs> um, this team right now is playing without two of its starters from what was projected at the end of the year. Colin Hartman, a guy who can clean up a ton of mistakes on both ends of the floor for you, uh, and a lottery pick in OG and an OB. You're missing them both. So you have to readjust expectations. I'm not saying bubble tournament team expectation, but I'm just saying you have to. Uh, this team was not going to win the Big Ten title without those two guys, I don't think. I think they had a chance. Uh, if everything went right after Hartman went down, you could do it. Once OG went down, no. You have a banged-up Jawan Morgan. He's been banged up for weeks. We know that. I thought tonight was the first game he actually looked like himself in stretches, and he was in foul trouble all night. You've got a banged-up James Blackman Jr. You've now got Deron Davis possibly hurt. So you have to understand where this team is at, okay? Is it excusable to lose at home to Nebraska? No, absolutely not. That's inexcusable, and that was a bad loss. Right now, IU over the last two games has competed and come out and hustled and played relatively well against Wisconsin and Purdue, two very good teams. I hate saying that both those teams are good teams, but God. I mean, they they are, though, legitimately. Um, They played really well against Maryland uh, and probably should have won that game. Um, And then, you know, they didn't play well in some other games like Northwestern and Michigan. Those were inexcusable efforts. I've used that adjective about this team numerous times this year. Um, But this team losing close games to Wisconsin and Purdue, quite frankly, is about where they should be considering the personnel issues right now. So what we have to understand is that the key moving forward is to maintain the level they had tonight, especially in the first half. That was a pretty good first half of basketball for Indiana. To maintain that level, you can beat Michigan. You can beat Minnesota. You can beat Iowa. You can compete and possibly beat Northwestern. And then you've got an at Purdue and an at Ohio State. The problem is we haven't seen consistency out of this team. But if that first half effort and a stretch of the second half can feed over into those other games, this team has a chance to turn things around in a positive manner. The problem is, I don't think anyone has any confidence they will because they've been so wildly inconsistent. Um, you know, but again, as, as Andy said earlier, if you if you listed the stats for the guards tonight to people before the game, you'd have been like, oh yeah, Indiana lost by like 20. Um, but they were able to keep it close. They were able to do things that other teams haven't been able to do, like not let Haas and Swanigan just destroy you. Um, Swanigan was good, but he wasn't phenomenal. It wasn't one of his better games. Uh, and No, but you, you know, let Edwards destroy Edwards you. went off. Yeah, no. I mean, and that's the thing, though, is that you're so shorthanded. Edwards is a guy that OG Ananobi would have guarded. I mean, that that would have been his the guy he defended all game. And, and you know, so it, it sucks to look at it and say what you don't have. But I'm just saying people have to readjust their expectations with this team without a lottery pick and without uh, your blown senior who could clean up a lot of stuff on both ends of the floor. This team needs to turn it around. It needs to play better. But it also, people need to realize this isn't 
the roster of a national champion right now. So I think we need to readjust the way we're looking at this team. They, this is still, it should be a tournament team easily. So if it doesn't get in, it doesn't get in. Uh, and, and that's a failure. But you do have to readjust expectations with losing all the guys you've lost and having the guys you have had miss a lot of time. All right, I have a rebuttal. Andy just put in the chat that he definitely has some thoughts. So we're going to pick this up. Uh, we'll talk about that next year on the Assembly Call. First, I do want to take a quick minute and tell everybody listening why you should activate your free Assembly Call membership. And there are three reasons. Number one, it's quick and easy. Just go to assemblycall.com slash join. It'll take you 15 seconds. Number two, it's how you get our best content. So by joining, you receive not only our weekly six banner Saturday IU Hoops News Roundup, but you also get our detailed post-game analysis emails delivered right to your inbox the morning after every game. We don't publish that content anywhere else. And third, it's how you connect with us in the Assembly Call community. So when you have a free membership, you can access our moderated post-game live chat, which is rolling right now with great discussion, uh, and you can participate in the discussion forum. So if you like what you hear on the Assembly Call, becoming a member is the logical next step. Join us for free at assemblycall.com slash join. All right, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips discussing Indiana's 69-64 loss to Purdue and, and kind of taking stock of the big picture right here. And, and, and there are some other elements of this game that I want to get into, but I think we do have to respond, Ryan, to, to what you just said. You know, and, and to be fair, you said even though expectations should be readjusted because of the injuries, this should still be an NCAA tournament team. Absolutely. And I think, well, it, you know, well, let me, let me clarify. No, 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 no. Just hold on. You had your chance. You just hold on for a second. Hold on for a second. Wait, exactly. this isn't my show. It's our show. <laughs> I think, it was my show. All right. Because the issue here, here's the issue. All right. Number one, I think a lot of us view Indiana as a program that doesn't have such an easily floating standard. And I get when you have great players injured, you know, you're going to, you're going to change, you know, whether you can win a national championship or not may change. But I will say for a program like Arizona, they've dealt with lots of losses and they just keep on ticking. And it sure seems like there are enough good recruits that Indiana could do that as well. The problem is even before the injuries, yes, Hartman was gone and that, that was going to be a big loss no matter what. But even before everybody else started to get hurt, there were signs that something was off with this team. There were the no-show efforts against you know, a, a team like Fort Wayne. There was the turnover issue. There was the defensive inconsistencies. There were signs that things weren't right. So the injuries have exacerbated that, but it's not like this is a team that was clicking on all cylinders and then all of a sudden the wheels just fell off simply because of the injured players. There are deeper issues, and they aren't just issues that have cropped up this year. They're issues that we've seen you know, for really out of the last three seasons, other than the, the great two months at the end of last year. That's where the frustration comes from. And, and just look at tonight's game. You know, look, to beat Purdue, you were going to have to not turn the ball over, right? And Purdue's three losses in Big Ten play, their opponents had turned the ball over 15% of the time or less. And Purdue was only turning people over 16% of the time coming in. Indiana turns it over on 21% of their possessions. So even in a game like this, where you're playing a team that doesn't really force turnovers, and it's such an important key for the game, Indiana can't do it. And they shoot themselves in the foot, and that's, I mean, look, you save a couple of those possessions, maybe you score, maybe it's a different game. That hasn't changed. It hasn't improved at all, all season. And, and whether guys were injured, whether guys were healthy. So that's where I think those excuses and explanations fall a little bit hollow because people saw what the team was before the guys got hurt, and they weren't satisfied then. Andy? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would have, I think you stated it well. Um, yeah, I mean, tonight, six turnovers in the first nine minutes when you know that that's what you need to do is protect the ball. Another stretch in the second half, three, you know, three turnovers in three minutes, um, three more in the last five minutes in, in crunch time. And I think that's the one thing. I, so two things I would say. One, they were losing, I mean, Nebraska, everybody's there. They lost. Louisville, everybody's healthy. They lost. Wisconsin, everybody's healthy. They lost. Maryland, everybody's healthy. They lost. Butler, everybody was healthy. They lost. So, I mean, that key stretch there, you lost five out of eight games when everybody was healthy. So I get I get the injuries. The second point is, if you can play well enough without the guys that are hurt to be sticking around in these games, you got to execute down the stretch. This team's two and five in games that are decided by five points or less. And you saw that tonight, and you saw that against Wisconsin. They had played well enough to be able to, to win these games, and they could not execute simple plays down the stretch. They get into offense, and they have no idea what they're doing. It ends in a... You know the the Blackman turnover. Take a timeout. You've got I think Alex Buzzer tweeted that you got three timeouts left. It's a critical possession. It's clearly going nowhere. The ball isn't getting inside the three point line. Get basically a shot clock violation when he loses the ball and has to foul somebody. Can't make blockouts. Can't you know turn the ball over three times in, in the last five minutes. You just I mean those are issues that plague them. So if you're good enough to play for the first thirty five minutes of the game and hang around with the personnel that you have, then there's not. At that point, it can't be an excuse to not win win some of these games. And I think that's what the problem is. People look at the late game execution and it's it's consistently poor. And you start thinking, you know, that's what people get, you know, coaching, just waiting. Like, has what's the out of bound, you know, take a timeout. Somehow a play is run that gets Freddie McSwain the ball in the corner behind the three-point line. Wh- what in the world was discussed in the huddle that leads to that situation? And I don't blame that on McSwain. Um, I don't blame that on the personnel. There's plenty of blame to go around for this, but that's the thing to me is un- inability to play well down the stretch in close games when it really matters the most, even after you've played maybe even over your head during other parts of it to, to be able to sustain that. And the other thing is they're losing those games before. And while no one is arguing it's it's a, it, it isn't a factor, it just to me, it just rings hollow at some point. You, you've got to find ways to get it done. Um, and again, tonight you saw... Not to bag on the you know Tim Priller thing again, as we've kind of joked about on the radio show, but my God, you've got two big guys in the game. You have literally one guy over six six who isn't fouled out and isn't there, and and there is no point at which you think this guy is going to get on the floor. I, you know, at at some point, you need to use the roster to build depth that might might be able to be usable in these situations, and clearly not usable in these situations. Mr. Phillips? Uh, yeah, to respond, I, I would say that I think that... We, oh, it looks like we're out of time. Sorry, we're going to have to wrap up. Sorry. <laughs> no, go For those of you who don't listen to our radio show, this happens all the time to me. Um, no, I... Uh, and why aren't you listening to that radio show? You have no excuse. I, I think that Indiana, with everybody, played a stretch where I think they played... Let's see, the loss to Wisconsin was not a bad game. They whipped Illinois... Lost to Maryland, beat Rutgers. The loss to Wisconsin wasn't a bad game when they go down thirteen nothing right out of the gate. Well, I thought that. I mean, look, yeah, that start was awful, but I mean, like it was a competitive game for a long stretch of it. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't like they lost by twenty. Okay, um, I'm not saying it was their best game of the season, but it wasn't Louisville. Well, that was um, another one though, where they were close on the stretch and then they let it get away from them. I it agree. Was another no, one of those cases, even though that didn't fall my, in my five would, point. No, I will not. <laughs> so Wisconsin, Illinois, Maryland, Rutgers, and Penn State. It's five games in a row. They played relatively well, and they were getting better. OG Ananobi got hurt. James Blackman Jr. got hurt. 
uh, Jawan Morgan was hurt through a couple of those games. Um, you know, I'm just saying it, it, as soon as this team, it seems like as soon as this team looks like it's getting in a rhythm, something happens. Uh, you know, that Michigan state game, I thought they played, we all think they played pretty well on that one, uh, when they won, but at the same time, that might've been a high as a reaction to one of your guys going out and you, you know, stepping up. And then they had the letdown against Michigan. I just feel like I'm not disagreeing with anything that you guys said about the way this team was playing before, uh, you know, and that, you know, and the the injuries not being the thing that changed the season. I get that. What I'm saying is long-term expectations for this team have to be adjusted. And and people are, people are wondering, you know, Oh, well, you're praising hustle. Well, yeah, these guys are undermanned. They are. I mean, there's no, there's no question that when Deron Davis goes out in this game, you have literally nothing else inside because Juwan Morgan's on the bench and out. Um, As Andy said, you've gotten one guy over six, six who can, who can actually see the floor. Yeah. We're going to praise some hustle because guess what? They, you know, you're using a walk on in a junior college transfer who's barely played this year against the top, the number 16 team in the country. Yeah. We're going to praise their hustle because you don't expect much else from them. And so that's why you've got Josh McRoberts as a member of this team. And in some cases, a starter in some of these games, that's not planned for, you know, this, this is an emergency situation. So I, I'm just saying that I, I agree. All the issues are there. All of the issues that we've seen before, a lack of execution, guards not knowing what they're doing, guys not communicating, you know, uh, before the last two games, really poor defense. I thought they played very good defense against Wisconsin, a very, very good defense against Purdue. Uh, it wasn't enough to win the game, but I thought they played much better. But all of those issues are still there. I'm not excusing the coaching staff. I'm not excusing the execution or anything. I'm just saying that long-term expectations for this team have wildly changed. And and I think that people getting really mad that they lost on the road to Wisconsin and at home against Purdue are missing the fact that those are very good teams and this may not be a good team anymore, a, a, a better-than-decent team anymore with the losses and with the fact the guys that are injured and all that stuff. Um, but still, I agree. You know, they had their chances to win this game. They had their chances to beat Wisconsin. They should have beaten Northwestern and played like garbage. I mean, you know, they 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 shouldn't. There's no reason they should ever show up and lose to Michigan like that. I mean, it's you know, I'm not excusing any of that. I'm just saying that people have to understand where this team stands now to act like you know this team out talents Purdue in every way and lost. I mean, that that's not. It's just simply not true based on the evidence and based on the roster construction at this point. I mean, I agree it's important to be realistic because the games go on. And so if, as a fan, you're going to keep watching the games, but there's nothing that the team can do for those 40 minutes to satisfy you or, or, or you know, make you happy, then there's really no point in watching the games. You know, it's better to just chalk it up as a lost season, be disappointed in the big picture, a, a thought process that you would be perfectly fair in having given where we are. But I do think it's important to take each game, you know, as they come. And to me, this game is a lot different than on the road at Wisconsin, you know, because the expectations of those two games are different, you know, and I thought Indiana really went up there and and, and gave a pretty good effort against Wisconsin. They gave good effort tonight, but it, it just, I mean, you're at home. And again, like you can change expectations, do all of that. There is enough talent on the floor for Indiana to expect that you're going to go win a home game. And so anytime Indiana loses at home, it's fair to be disappointed. Anytime Indiana enters a home game as an underdog, we should kind of be questioning where the program is at because that's not a good sign. By the and way, so, and I think that's why people are frustrated. Where was the crowd tonight? 
I mean, this is the biggest game of Indiana season. I, I, to me, I don't know about you guys. I, I thought it sounded silent. Will said it was well, quiet see, all night. I mean, yeah, I, I, I really thought that stretch in the first half is where the crowd would have just blown the doors off. And I thought when Indiana didn't capitalize on that, because look, here, here's what's happening right now is Indiana fans are expecting the worst because that's what they've seen from this team right now. And so I think it's different than the North Carolina game when everything seemed possible and even different than the Michigan State game when still, you know, that game was kind of a turnaround and what I think they'd won 4 out of 5 at that point. I think there's it's not apathy yet, although that could set in after a loss like tonight, but it's severe apprehension and I think that's what we saw tonight if if it was a little bit muted. Yeah, and I I'm, just I'm, I I didn't at any point feel like the crowd was affecting the game. I really didn't. And and I mean, I wasn't in the arena, I know. Um but you know, from people I was I was messaging with and stuff, they just seemed like, yeah, it was really muted, especially because it it's was the vintage. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't yeah, especially because crowd. it's the rivalry game. You know, I mean, I get what you're saying if it was, you know, Iowa or someone like that, but this is Purdue. I mean, they should, you should, I don't care if you only won five games all year, you got to get on Purdue. And it just felt, it felt like a weak crowd and, yeah. and really not a lot I mean, of enthusiasm. And, people and I'm not bagging really, on the fans. I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I get, I get the feeling you feel like, you know, the season's lost and maybe not going in the right direction. It's hard to get yourself fired up. Just, I just, there, like there, there are two types of play. fan energy. There's, you know, there's enthusiastic energy and there's anxious energy. And tonight I thought we had an anxious crowd. You know, the difference with the North Carolina game is you've got an enthusiastic crowd. It's early in the year. This is a national title contender. It's a lot different when you're clutching as hard as you can to your season and it feels like with every ball that doesn't bounce your way, something, you know, you're going to lose, you know, your chance at the NCAA tournament. So I, I don't know. I mean, anything else that we want to get to from this game that, you know, the one other thing that I do want to mention uh, that I think is worth mentioning is the regression really of Indiana's freshman guards because Devonte Green played a couple of really nice games there and was a virtual non-factor tonight. I mean, he had a couple of rebounds, had that awful, uh, you know, uh, shot that he took. Um, no, he didn't even have any rebounds. I'm sorry. He just had that one bad three-pointer that he took. You know, coming up to now, he had been good for a nice assist or two every game, you know, making a couple of plays. We didn't see that. Curtis Jones was a virtual non-factor. I mean, Andy, are you, I know they're freshmen and all of that, and freshmen are inconsistent, but are, are you at all concerned that, you know, this far now down the stretch, you know, those guys are basically empty and what they play, 20 combined minutes, 17 yeah, combined minutes? 17. and. Yeah, I, I was shocked to look at this and see Jones play 12 minutes. I, I, he was, uh, to, I mean, I guess virtually invisible by, by that, you know, by that measure. I, I was truly stunned when I looked and saw that. I, I'm not really sure what it is. I think the problem is they're trying to play both of them, and and it felt like for a little while part of that was Jones was injured. That Devonte Green, I mean, even started uh, a game here and there, and and I, I think, I, I don't know. It, it seems like a situation where. When, when the other three guys are healthy, do you really have room to play five guards at this point? And, and McRoberts is kind of in that, you know, kind of in that same boat. And it, it feels like, in a sense, trying to play both to to keep everybody happy, maybe. I don't know what the, the reason is, but um, you need to figure out one guy to kind of ride a little bit and let and let play. The flip side of that is I'm not sure either one has done anything recently that would suggest they're the, the person to do that. But I thought Green was on a good... Um, you know, kind of a good role there had, had really shown well from a passing perspective, certainly post entry, we, you know, praised him for a lot. And then, you know, these last couple of games hasn't played very much and, and hasn't necessarily played well. So, uh, I, I definitely think a little, uh, a little disappointing, um, for them cause they really, you know, maybe more than some of the other, other new guys have been able to 
kind of ease their way into things with, you know, Newkirk and, and Robert Johnson and James Blackman went healthy, all playing a ton of minutes. So, um, you know, a guy like Deron Davis has really been thrown in and a lot has been expected of him because IU just doesn't have uh, a lot of other big guys at this point. But I think those guys have, you, you know, to me, had somewhat of the luxury to be eased in a little bit. So, yeah, I think it is uh, I think it is concerning. I, I don't know if I said, well, let's play one of them, uh, you know, the bulk of those minutes and, uh, and, and, you know, not have the other one play hardly at all. I'm not sure who I would pick at this point based on how they've played these last few games. By the way, we have a little chat that runs alongside our show so that we can discuss what topics we want coming up. And every now and then there are just some great exchanges in there. So I asked uh, I asked Ryan what he wants next, meaning topic, and he immediately replies whiskey, which I think speaks for all of IU fans right now. Give us I want to dive into to Chronic Hoosier's private stock. Right <laughs> yeah. about all the whiskey. Chronic, send it our way. We need it. Um, real quick, I want to talk about Thomas Bryant because we hit him off the top. I don't, I don't know if you guys got a chance to really talk about him because, again, phenomenal in the, in the second half offensively, all things considered, since no one else stepped up. But it is a concern that he only got three offensive rebounds or, or three rebounds. Now, two of them were offensive, and he really battled for them late, and that was nice to see. But, you know, as, as good as Thomas was offensively, you know, he, he wasn't great defensively, and part of that was because he played with foul trouble. The rebounding, you know, wasn't great. But, you know, obviously, when, when, you, when you look at the list of negatives from tonight, Thomas is not very high up on the list. Um, so overall, a good performance for him. What else did you guys see? And did you think Indiana should have gotten him even more shots in the second half, given the fact uh, that no one else was doing anything? I, I thought Purdue actually did a pretty good job to overplaying him on the block uh, late as the game went on. Um, they did double pretty hard a few times. Uh, but no, I look, a few weeks ago, I said that Thomas Bryant, I mean, if I was advising him, I'd tell him to come back because I just thought he was playing terribly and he didn't look like an NBA player. He certainly turned that on its head over the last couple of games. He is playing the way that we expected him to play from the beginning of the season. Now, a part of me is ticked off that he wasn't playing this way earlier in the year, but uh, he's really hit his stride and, and he's playing like the guy we knew he could be. Um, the, you know, the rebounding, I think that Morgan and Newkirk both grabbed a lot more rebounds than than we expect we would expect them to and i think i think that hurt his rebounding totals um newkirk certainly was in there on a bunch of them early uh and and i think maybe he stole a few from thomas so i don't think that's really as big a concern as as the numbers would lead you to believe sometimes they just don't bounce your way but it didn't feel like indiana was getting pounded on the glass so you know i was okay with it um that wasn't where indiana lost the game um, no, they battled them to Indiana actually slightly won in rebounding, which was nice to see. And that was strength yeah. on strength. So, yeah, I mean, they, I mean, did what yeah, they needed to do there. That was not. Yeah, that wasn't a spot where I thought that that they lost the game or anything like that. Um, but, you know, with Thomas, as always, there's some some issues with, you know, like I, I mean, look, he lost the ball one time out of bounds. The, the ball went right off of Swanigan's leg and it, they called it. Purdue's ball, which was just absurd. Um, but how do you expect Pat Driscoll to make that call? I mean, he's only right on top of the play. Yeah, he was only he was only a foot away. I don't know how I don't know I don't know how I can expect him to make that call. Yeah, dial but, it down a little bit, buddy. You're sorry, sorry, you're right. You're right. I got to rein that. I got to rein that stuff in. Um, but no, I thought I thought it was a great effort from Thomas on both ends of the floor. I thought that he was a little quiet in the first half, and then I thought he really he really. Uh, early in the game, I mean, and, and then I, th I thought that he really turned it up and, um, you know, he battled Swanning into a standstill pretty much. And, you know, that's your, you know, probably 
one of the leaders for conference player of the year. And I thought he battled into a standstill. And I think I've been saying this for weeks is that there's nobody in this conference that can stop him head to head. I think he's as talented as anybody. It's just a matter of utilizing that talent in the proper way. And I thought for the most part tonight, he did that. I thought defensively, I thought he was okay. He wasn't great, but he was okay. Um, but he was also up against, you know, you got to consider the opponent and who he was guarding and who he was up against. So um, I thought it was a really great performance from Thomas tonight. And that's the kind of thing we've been expecting all year. Hey, by the way, uh, Ryan, uh, Candy Stripes in the chat wants to verify that it's whiskey the drink, not whiskey as in Wisconsin. That you yes. want. Just, just, yes. just to make sure. No, Maybe. I lived in Wisconsin for two years, and I don't want any more of that. So, no. Um, Andy, any lingering thoughts on Thomas Bryant uh, and or anything else from tonight's loss to Purdue? Uh, I, I mean, just to reiterate what you guys said, I thought Bryant was was just fantastic, particularly in the second half. This game could easily have gotten away from IU if it wasn't for him. And I, I don't know that there were a lot of other opportunities to get him uh, the ball. I think, you know, Purdue started to double him a little bit more. Uh, a little bit more late in the game as he w had so much success. I think he took eight of the 26 shots from the floor uh, for the team in the half. So I think that's a, a fairly good, uh, fairly good ratio from, from that standpoint. Uh, I thought defensively he was at times he did a really, he did a much better job of, you know, really using his lower body and kind of rooting, you know, Swanigan or Haas out. And then there were times when, um, you know, they, they got the ball with, you know, two feet in the paint. So those have been uh, issues for him that I thought kind of came and went. You saw some, uh, you saw some improvement uh, at times, and I, I guess that is somewhat indicative of the fact that I think this team has played a lot better defensively over these last two games. I think 1.01 points per possession tonight, um, and, and I think you know you saw a couple times when they they got into cases where they had to rotate defensively, and they actually looked like they knew what they were doing. Which uh, it, at various points of the season, that did not seem to be the case. So um, I guess that's another positive if you really want to look at one to, you know, playing a really good offensive team and, and holding them to that uh, from a defensive standpoint was was certainly a positive. But um, so good to see they've improved there. The problem is the the offense has uh, regressed a little bit and uh, and and we'll we'll see what happens from there. I'm just trying to look up a little bit at the um, at Twitter here. Sounds like Crean didn't say said Duran Davis didn't return to the game. wasn't feeling well after taking a blow to the face. I mean, that seems like that's kind of encouraging, right? The, the, well, I don't yeah, know. He looked, look, he looked woozy. I think. Yeah, I think he's I have probably to think went off concussion, to get broken nose, some combination of the two. If I had, yeah, to, I think he went off to get a concussion because even after oh, they stood well. him up, he was off balance. So, yeah. uh, but hopefully, it's something that's a few days and and he'll be fine. Uh, what I wanted to say about about. Uh, Bryant real quick is is the thing I loved about him tonight is just he kept going after Swanigan and Haas. He he did not back down for that. And did you guys notice that uh, when he starts in the post and then pops to the perimeter, his three point shot looks a lot better. Uh, yeah, who's been calling for that all year? I somebody, everybody, I literally oh. everybody. You can't oh, who, take credit for that. Who's on a radio show has been calling about calling for that specifically <laughs> for you? I'm trying to think of the guy's name. It's on the tip of my tongue. I can't. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know who would it be. By the way, if you two guys ever talk over each other again, I'm calling a double foul and ejecting both of you from the show. That's, That's how we're fine. gonna handle things. I'd love. I'd, I'd love to go on break right about now after this one. <laughs> All righty. Uh, we've got some final thoughts coming up. We're going to give you those uh, here on the assembly call. Um, and we deliver our final thoughts during last call, which is brought to you by our friends at Yogi's Bar and Grill in Bloomington, where you get 10% off of your food during Indiana basketball games. Yes, that's 10% off of your food order during IU games at Yogi's. 
Just tell them that the assembly call sent you and then stick around after the game for the assembly call IU post game show, which Yogi's broadcast live after IU games. And one of the main reasons that Yogi's broadcasts our show live after IU games is because we have uh, a longtime audience member who works there and put in a good word for us and helped make that happen. And it is her birthday today. Uh, we found out on Twitter. So, Shaylin, we want to wish you a happy birthday from all of us here at the Assembly Call. Thank you for being such a loyal audience member uh, and for uh, helping get our show on at Yogi's, which is absolutely awesome. We appreciate it, and we really appreciate you. Uh, so, again, go to Yogi's, 10% off your food during IU games. All right, last call is coming up next. Stick with us. All right, you're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are wrapping up our postgame coverage of Indiana's 69-64 to loss to the Purdue Boilermakers tonight. A disappointing night uh, for Indiana fans. It was a chance for Indiana to get back to 500, a chance for Indiana to get a another signature win on the resume, and they weren't able to do either. Uh, and so here we sit at 5-7 and seven with two more home games, four more road games, and really needing to do a lot of work, you know, probably at least go four and two over these final games and, and maybe do something in the Big Ten tournament, which hasn't exactly been something that you can count on. Uh, so, you know, again, we called this a must win. You get you get outside of a must win when you lose and you start thinking about the reasons. OK, well, maybe we can still salvage this thing. And so that's kind of where we are now. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's where we are. But let's head into last call, guys. Let's get some final thoughts here before we wrap up. Uh, Andy, we will go to you for your last call first. Well, um, I'm, pro I'm not going to really talk that much more about the game. I think we've done that. I uh, just wanted to uh, wish all the best to uh, Alex McCarthy, who has been, uh, I think we've had him on a, a couple of the off-season shows before. So he is uh, leaving the IU beat and going to Alaska, which, uh, one, we're hoping the officials from tonight's game are sent to, and two, many of us may want to go to to avoid uh, any further mention of this game. But uh, no, Alex has been you know, done a great job covering IU. Uh, over the over the last handful of years, I think I'm looking. I think he started in 2012, so uh, has definitely been a, a big part of the IU community. So we wish him all the best. He's even said this will give him a chance to listen to the show now. Um, I did tell him that we would leave it up to him to decide whether he decided if that was a a, a good development or a bad one. Um, but he, we also you know kind of threw out the chance that maybe he can uh, hop on with us sometime. So definitely yes. wish him all the best as he uh, as he heads. Uh, up north and uh and you know thanks for all he's uh done covering iu basketball and uh we'll uh we'll move on without him to the next game against michigan and as we've kind of talked about these last couple of weeks it's you know one game at a time every game is the biggest one and uh certainly it's hard to see a scenario where iu can right the ship and get to the ncaa tournament if they don't win on sunday so it's the next in the line of uh, must win games i guess I, I guess we'll say yeah, and who wouldn't want to come on the assembly call and have the honor of being interrupted by Ryan? I mean, that's just something that every IU media like you member said, needs to experience. It's an honor. <laughs> it is an honor. All right, uh, Ryan, last call. Um, you know, that's disappointing. I think we're all disappointed tonight. Um, one thing I'm not disappointed in is is the effort, as we mentioned. I thought that you know these guys came out from the beginning and played hard. Um, and uh, they're just in over their heads right now. And, and I think it, more than the loss of players where you're losing the stats, you're losing the chemistry and you're losing, you know, whatever confidence you've built in those guys. So now you're trying to incorporate new people and do new things. And, um, you know, but, but there's no excuses anymore. I mean, this team has to get better. I mean, talking about injuries is not an excuse. It's just sort of this is okay. This has happened. It's a reality. So what do we do now? Um, and I think that 
this team really needs to figure it out because they this, this team is too talented to miss the NCAA tournament. It's too talented to finish under 500 in the Big Ten. It's too talented to you know be a one and done team in the NCAA tournament. Um, they're playing for those guys who can't play right now. OG Ananobi and, and Colin Hartman. That, they have to remember that, and they got to go out there and give that kind of All American effort every single time. And they have to play better. They just have to straight up play better. You can't have up and down games and and um, you know and these yo yoing performances by the guards and things like that. These guys have to come out and play great every game. They saw that example from Yogi Ferrell last year. And, and quite frankly, they need to start following it. They're juniors now. They're not seniors like he was, but they're juniors. And and they've played enough that they need to be able to start turning in some of those performances that are solid, reliable, and and better than what they've, what they've given their teammates so far. Uh, it's just been inconsistent and it needs to get better, especially when you have a guy like Thomas Bryant killing himself on the, on the, uh, you know, on the interior and, and then nobody is stepping up on the outside. It needs to stop. Everybody needs to get on the same page and play better. No, there's no, there's no question about it. I mean, Indiana needs to play better and Indiana needs to be coached better. I mean, I think both of those things need to happen and, you know, I mean, here we sit. I mean, there's six games, and all of these games are going to be played, and Indiana isn't totally out of it yet. The problem when you lose a game like tonight is it just becomes a lot harder to for the math to work out and to see how this happens. And to me, it's a much more disappointed feeling after tonight's game than we had on Sunday against Wisconsin for a number of reasons. I mean, number one, you're on the road at Wisconsin. You know, you're expected to lose by 13 or 14 points. You know, you grit it out and, and you lose by five in a game you felt like you had a chance to win. Plus, coming off that game, you knew you were coming home with a chance to still score a big victory against your arch rival. And, and you don't do that and you lose at home and you lose to Purdue and you drop to five and seven. You know, for all of those reasons, it just, you know, this game hits like a ton of bricks. It really does. And I think everybody feels that way. And you always feel that way when you lose to Purdue. And, and hats off to Purdue because they're a good team. They're a balanced team. Um, you know, they've got some good players. Um, and, and, and they didn't play a great game for them tonight. But they did tonight what Indiana did often last year, which is go out, you know, maybe without your A game, but still find a way to make plays late on the road to win. And that is disappointing to us as IU fans because we're, you know, one season removed from seeing that and experiencing that and having a team that did that. And obviously that was a senior laden team and, and we don't need to go over all of the differences, but that's what this year's group is missing. And so, you know, I wrote in our postgame email after Wisconsin that, you know, this was really kind of a choose your own adventure time for IU fans because, you know, you can either spend the rest of the season, you know, lamenting, you know, how, how frustrating the big picture is, lamenting how bad the first 25 games of the season had been. Um, you know, and, and you'd be right to do that and it would be fair to do that, but the games are still going to be played, you know, and, and the guys obviously went out and gave us a great effort tonight, not great execution, um, but great effort. And, and you know, so I, I do believe that they deserve, you know, our support. And that means we can get frustrated during the games and after the games, um, you know, but let's stick with them because there is talent there. And so it is not inconceivable that this team could go four and two down the stretch and find a little something. I mean, hey, they seem to have found a little bit of a defensive identity. If they can mix in a little bit more offense with that, maybe they figure out the turnovers a little bit. Hey, maybe you can get something going. And I know you're all shaking your heads right now and you're in disbelief hearing me say that because, well, why haven't we done that all season? And I don't have a good answer for you. I'm not saying that it's likely. I'm not saying I'm expecting it, but the games are on the schedule. The talent is on the roster. 
let's see, you know, let, let, let's be hopeful that something good can come uh, of these final few games and maybe this season can turn out better than we thought. Um, but either way, tonight is a disappointing night for IU fans because you lose to Purdue uh, and everything that game meant. And so as fans and as a team, we got to pick up the pieces and get ready to play on Sunday because we owe Michigan some payback. We need a win in the worst way, especially at home. And so let's just go do that. It won't erase the bad taste of tonight, but it'll at least be something positive moving forward. And right now, what this program needs more than anything is a good, solid win and something positive uh, moving forward. And hopefully they can get that on Sunday. That game starts at 1 o'clock Eastern time against Michigan. It is on CBS. Uh, we'll be there at halftime. We'll be here after the game to break it all down. Uh, and we will have a radio show for you tomorrow as well uh, to talk more about IU-Purdue and more about the big picture. So we hope that you will listen to that. Have a good weekend, and then we will talk to you all on Sunday. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.